All right. Well, I want to remind us before we, uh, before we read any scripture today of what the Lord said last week in a way of uh, correction for us as a body. So I hope you have taken it as, it as it was laid out. And if you hadn't heard it, this would be a good time for you to hear it. Uh, we're in Luke chapter 8. God put me on that Saturday before last Sunday. It was a message I needed to speak before the message. Um, so I'm, a, I'm about to remind us of that, but I want to make sure everybody's with me. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. I mean, are you plugged in ready? All right, here we go. Because this word is from the Lord. It's, it's vital that we get our attention focused on him. Our, our mind's attention and also our heart's affection needs to be focused on him. We talked about the different soils in the book of Luke, uh, chapter 8, where Jesus preaches the different kinds of soils. The soil went out to sow, and the seed is the word of God, and it fell on different kinds of soil. And depending on what kind of soil it fell, fell on, uh, depending on whether those people received it or not. And so it's our job to set the Lord before us right now. It's our job to, right now, everybody with me? Say, oh, yeah. Oh, man, there's a lot of distractions already. I'm just going to wait. Y'all ready? Thank you, Rachel. Rachel's ready. Okay. I'm, I'm not upset about it. It's just I'm going to wait because we need to hear the word. Everybody ready? Get yourself settled, all right? And then just know there's going to be distractions as we go through this message, but I don't care what I sound like. You know that. I don't care that you go home and say, wow, that, he preaches real good. <laughs> First of all, if you say that, you guys need some English lessons, and Carly's in the back. Uh, but in reality, guys, we need to hear this word, okay? So y'all ready? I think one of the biggest things that, well, I know, because we talked about it in life groups this week, one of the biggest hindrances to us actually hearing the word of God <laughs> is we're not ready when we start. We're not ready. I mean, we, we tend, like this morning in our, in our men's prayer group, we read scripture together, not men, our worship prayer group this morning, men's prayer group on Tuesday and Thursday. We stop and we ask God to speak. And, and what we're doing is we're just reading scripture and saying, God, make it real to us, each one of us. So we might all hear something different. But what's significant is it speaks to us. And, and when we talked about that among the group, it was like everybody was saying, uh, the biggest problem is we're, not, we're, we're lazy. We're not getting focused soon enough. Now, there are other, fro- other problems. Like, you know, some of you are, are here with, you know, we had kids that just walked out. That's a distraction. Uh, could be if you let it. But we love to have children in here, and you just got to deal with it. When in life groups, we do the same thing, right? We've got to struggle through that. It's part of it because we love kids. And that's part, you know, they need to be with us. So, you know, you're going to have distractions. It may be something as simple as, like I've said before, the, you know, that light and that light are not the same. Did y'all know that? Anybody in here notice that? Raise your hand. Okay. I mean, that can be a distraction. Um, you know, all right. So, I mean, you, that one back there, the, yeah, the bulb broke. I mean, the outside broke. There's all kinds of stuff. Now I've got some of you distracted. Okay, back. Come on. Right here. All right. There's so many things that can be a distraction to you, okay? Uh, but just get ready. Get ready to receive the word because that's what's significant. How you receive the word is important. And a new number of times in that, in that passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 8, Jesus says himself, so be careful how you hear. It doesn't make sense for us to, look, I'd rather muddle through and get one scripture out that you actually hear 
than to have a whole uh, uh, message and you not hear anything. And, and so we got to hear what God says. Okay, so I want to make sure we're ready before we even read this morning. That God's going to speak to you, has a potential, and might want to from word one of reading the scripture before I ever even take you into the text. Okay, God wants to speak to you, and he can do that to you at your house uh, when you're reading the scripture by yourself. Uh, I love this. I, I don't have the exact quote, but uh, Francis Chan, who I, I really love, uh, man, I think he's a man after God's heart. Uh, he, he's a theologian, too, but he's not all about theology, which I love because uh, he's in this generation, and a lot of times people just it's all about proper uh, theology, which he has, but he's all about the Spirit, too. He wrote a book called Forgotten God about the Holy Spirit. Great book. We studied through it. But anyway, Francis Chan had someone come to him after, after he spoke one time at a conference of thousands of people, came up to him and said, you know, um, I really expected you to do more. All you did really was read the, read the Scripture. And, uh, and, and tell us what it meant. He said, I could do that. And he said, exactly. Francis Chan's response was, exactly. You can do that. But what I do on Sunday morning is for us as a body, I'm not demeaning the significance of what I do. I know it's significant because I'm called by God to do it, and I'm depending on the Holy Spirit to speak, and he gives me stuff all week for us. But what's significant is that you hear the word and apply it. Now, God has said that. And I'm saying it over again. And you might think, why are you saying this again? And it gets so sick when you say stuff over and over again. I'll tell you why. You need to hear it. This is a problem for us. And we're going to address the problem. And we're going to address it over and over again uh, so that we hear well. Okay? So what does it mean to hear well? It means that you're ready to take the word into your heart. And with the faith that you have in God at this point, wherever you are, and we're all at different places, that you're willing to let God drop that word in your life like a plumb line, and you're willing to say, God, whatever you say today, I'm ready, to, I'm ready to make the adjustment necessary to line up with what your spirit tells me. Okay, so we're going to have some stuff today the Holy Spirit's going to convict some of you about. I, I would say all of you in some way will be convicted by the Holy Spirit about something you need to change today. So we're not done until you take that word, hear it, let it get in your heart with all the intent of making the change this week. Everybody got that? Say, oh, yeah. Okay, all right, so so now let's get into Scripture. We're reading through uh, 1 Timothy. We're studying 1 Timothy. The title of the the series is Enduring. Uh, Paul told Timothy, "You you need to endure, you need to stay where you are, and you need to, to tell the people. Uh, first of all, tell those people that are adding all kinds of stuff to the gospel, quit teaching those things. And then tell the people that are listening to that and are prone to hear it and are under pressure to conform to it, quit listening to it. And he says, but first of all, pray. Pray for all of them. And we've heard, you know, God's been convicting us about all that stuff. But then he says, and, and since I don't know when I can get back to you, so that you'll know what this looks like uh, in, the, in the house of God, how you should behave in the house of God, how people, everyone, should behave in the house of God. I'm going to give you some characteristics of a person who is reaching with everything they are, who aspires to be an elder in the church. I want to show you what that looks like. I want you to see what kind of characteristics show up in the life of somebody who has it in their heart to, to till up that soil every time the word is spoken and say, God, speak to me because I'm ready to change. I want to. I'm stretching with everything I have towards you. 
I want that. Does anybody accomplish that completely? Everybody said, no, we don't. But I want it. Has God put it in your heart? If you're a child of God, it's in your heart. Find it. It's there. That we want to be all these things that God wants us to be. And we want to know him. And, and then ultimately, last week, we talked about the fact the reason why God does that is because he wants us to be a light. And you don't hide a light. If you know God, that shows up in your lifestyle. And you bear fruit because that word gets down in deep soil and gets roots. And it produces a hundredfold. All right? So what is that? That means we hear it, we apply it. It's simple. Abiding cycle. Abiding in Christ. Listening to what he says and applying it. Uh, so we've been reading about those characteristics. We've covered a bunch of them already. A lot of them have been two, three words at a time. Uh, and we'll continue that pattern uh, until we finish the qualifications for elders. And then we'll move on uh, through the rest of the book of First Timothy. But today we're going to talk on a couple of statements uh, that the scripture says about what a person who aspires to be an elder uh, looks like. What does it look like? And by the way, this hit me this past week, and I want to make sure we do this. When we look at these characteristics, Paul's intent was for a person who aspires to that position to look at themselves. Now, why do I say that? Because here's what I think happens. I think when you look at these characteristics, you look at elders, or you look at yourself. I mean, you look at others. You look at, okay, well, somebody, yeah, yeah, I know some people that, yeah, they don't, you know. They got problems. Man, if that's what you're saying, you're missing the point, okay? You have the problem. And that's where you end. Start and end right there. Start with you. How are you doing according to these characteristics? Paul is saying this. He says, if any of you aspires to be an elder, let him, and he says, be these things. And so it's you looking at yourself. You don't have to look. You know, we, we have presented these at times as characteristics that we need to evaluate elders based on. And, and some of the commentaries talk about evaluating elders. The text doesn't say that. It says you evaluate yourself. Okay, so this is about you evaluating you. And as you're evaluating you, if you find yourself to be one that aspires to, to be these things, and it's in your heart, and you say, man, I just I want to do all that stuff. Then start asking the question, God, do you want me to be an elder? Or, God, do you want me to be a deacon or a deaconess? Do you want me to serve the church in these ways? Okay, so that's, that's how we look at it. So we're going to pick up in verse uh, 4 today and go through, hopefully, maybe through verse 7. Uh, so we may be able to cover that many verses today. Uh, that's pretty good. It's better than two words, right? We spent the last six sermons in verse 3. Everybody say, but it was good. Yeah, I know you're hesitant to say it, but it was. All right, so verse 4. Here we go. Verse 4 to 6. person who aspires to be an elder, he must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. All right, so let's break into this for a little bit. Uh, An elder uh, should aspire to be a person who manages his own household. 
as I'm evaluating myself, am I, am I, a, am I really aspiring to be an elder? The, one of the questions I need to ask myself is, do I manage my own household? And by manage his own household, that phrase uh, in the original text means to preside, to, to preside over his children and over his servants. Now, most of you don't have servants. Uh, I do. I have Talitha. And then I have my kids. So I'm, she does serve me. No, I'm just kidding. So you know, presiding, it means to preside over your, over your children, over your, over your servants. Uh, and, and Paul gives definition to this in an earlier letter that he wrote to the church, the same church that he's talking to Timothy about, the church at Ephesus. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 21, Paul says this about, talking about the household of God. He says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. Uh, one of a number of passages in the New Testament that talk about this comparison between uh, a man's house, the, the, the place where you live and the family that you live with, and the household of God are, are the people of God and, and the things that we do together with Jesus being our foundation as a church. So we can look at it that way. Uh, now, some of the things it doesn't mean, this passage about managing his own household, it doesn't mean that a ma- uh, an elder cannot be a single person. It's not saying that. Uh, it's really saying in, in its fullness, it's saying uh, that an elder uh, is a, if you want to look at, at your life and see if you're elder material and you have a family, that's a good way to check it out. Look at your family and see how you're doing there. May, uh, question yourself in regard to your family situation and your kids and your spouse, and your extended family. Look at that and see how you're doing. Um, in, in Bob uh, Utley's uh, devotional, or in his commentary, rather, on First Timothy, he says this. He says, leadership can be seen at home. Any kind of difficulty between husband and wife or children and grandparents or in-laws was a basis for disqualification in the early church setting. No handle for criticism is the main concern. Uh, so how one rules his home will show one's tendency in leading the church. So that's the question. The question he's saying is, it, it, when we look at the home, we see we can evaluate our abilities and, and, and evaluate whether what we aspire to be uh, in the leadership of a church, whether the, the qualifications or the qualities exist or not. We should be able to look at ourselves and ask ourselves seriously this question. Okay, everybody ready for the plumb line to drop? Ask yourself, how are you doing in regard to your family? If you aspire to lead in any way in this body uh, that, that God's putting together, then ask you, look at your family and see how you're doing. Now, does that mean you're about to disqualify yourself? I don't think so. Here's what it does mean. It means if you're going to, if God's going to qualify you to be the elder that you aspire to be, if God's put it in your heart to be that and to lead that, then you need to measure up. You need to say, okay, God, I see it, and I'm ready to start changing now. Today is a different day. This afternoon is going to be a whole different afternoon of how I handle my marriage, how I handle my relationship with my kids, how I handle my relationship with my extended family. Because how I lead my family has everything to do with how 
I'm going to care for God's church. Now, when he says care for God's church, what does he mean by that? Let's talk about that for a minute before we get into some of these, some, some questions we can ask ourselves and some things to look at about how we manage our families. All right, so caring for God's church, what it means is to give proper consideration uh, to some issue or matter to think about, to be concerned about, and to give attention to uh, my church. So there's a lot of thought, a lot of careful thought about issues and, and matters that are involved the church or the family is a good way to look at it. So an elder doesn't neglect to give attention to his family. Uh, if you aspire to be an elder then, and you see yourself not giving attention to your family, uh, that you're so busy that you don't take care of your own family, uh, that you're so uh, self-centered and selfish that you don't take care of the needs of your family and put your family above yourself, then you have questions. You have a question to ask. I was visiting with one of our members this past week who, who uh, shared a great testimony uh, to this issue and didn't know we were going to talk about it today, but I'm going to share it because it applies. Uh, this, this, uh, one of our members was, took another job in order to provide more income and took it because it was offered and because it was easy and didn't do what he normally does and ask God if God was in it or not. Uh, matter of fact, I know two of our members who have given me this same testimony just in the last two months who didn't ask God and started doing the job and, and, and in the middle of the job, God said, okay, you're going to talk to me about this? And, oh, yeah, okay, I will. And then he got with God, and God said, drop it. And the big issue is you don't, you're, not, you're not taking care of your family. Your family needs that time. And so that, that it was a good illustration, I think, of what he's talking about here. So the church of God, let's take the time to, to talk about caring for the church of God. It means the same kind of thing. It means caring enough for the church of God that you become selfless, that you're not so busied up with life. Uh, that you don't do the things that God calls you to do within the body. Uh, man, look, this, this preaches to the whole church. I hope you're all getting it. Everybody with me? This is for all of us. We are so busy doing everything that we do in life, and, and we make excuse after excuse after excuse. And I'm not saying, look, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm trying to say, I'm trying to inspire you to find that place in your heart that, want, that aspires to love God and know God and realize that until you make the time for God and his body, you're, you're missing the point. You are part of the body. If my, if my arm or my hand decided it didn't want to participate today, I'm in trouble. You know? You, you guys are part of the body of Christ, and, and we take that so lightly. We don't recognize how significant we are. We need to care for one another. We need to care for the body. We need to walk in the life group with everybody else on our minds, not ourselves. Uh, you know, everybody needs to be, be uh, replying to the feed that goes out and says, hey, what are we going to eat this week? And everybody immediately says, okay, we're taking care of the body. I'm going to cook something. I'm not having any time for it, but you know what? I'm going to plan the night before and put, prepare something because I'm going to be busy tomorrow. And we're thinking about the body. That's what he's saying here. You think about it. You dwell on it. How can I take care of my own family? This is your family. It means that when, when life group's over, I'm... I'm staying late to pick up and clean up. I, you know, I'd love to just visit, but we're going to make sure the house is clean first because this host family that's taking care of us needs to not be left with all this stuff. You know, or whatever it is. While we're there, we're thinking, who is it when that just knew that walked in the door that I need to be spending some time with, getting to know, visiting with, making them feel loved, making them feel at home? Or all the way to, do I need to stay in this life group because uh, our body as a whole, needs more life groups because this one's too big, and we need some more. 
uh, so that we can, everybody can participate and give conversation and grow in their faith so everybody else can have what we're having. Are we getting too comfortable? Y'all get it? And I can go on and on. Church on Sunday, being here early enough to invest in people and it being all about them instead of about you, uh, you know, give, giving every the best effort that you have if you're in ministry, doing whatever it is you're doing, giving the best effort that you have. Not, for you, not because you have to, not because God looks at you and says, oh, I'm disappointed in you. I'm going to strike you down. It's because you love God's church and you care for God's church. So we need to care for God's church, he says. Uh, man, a great illustration in another, there's another text where this same word is used, this idea of care. And it's a familiar parable. I want to read it and make a few points out of it uh, before I knock in uh, some of these points about what we do with our family and how that applies to the church. Because this is foundational stuff for it, okay? In Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. All of you are familiar with the story, probably. Uh, you know, the, 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 this, this, uh, this person is, uh, is beaten up on the side of the road, robbed, and religious folks pass, by, pass him by. You know, and I, uh, I can imagine that a lot of things happened that day. Uh, and, and this is not about taking care of the homeless. This is just about caring. Okay, but they didn't care for the person. They cared about their religious status, and they walked by. And, and I think the first point of the whole story, that's not, I'm not even going to read this part of the text, is that we are those people. We walk by each other. We walk by each other in the body of Christ, not even some stranger on the side of the road. We walk by each other, and we don't care for one another. We need to be convicted about Let the Holy Spirit move that into your life and line yourself up with that. It's not about you. Right? It's about what are the hurts of the people in this group? You know, I mean, I get along with somebody, but I don't know what's in their background. I got degrees in psychology. Uh, you know, I'm in classes and, and a lot of ma- and, you know, my major was mainly psychology. And I'm teaching psychology. And so I do a lot of thinking about what makes people tick. And you know what it does? It starts sensitizing me to the fact that people are a product of their upbringing. And everybody didn't have the privilege that I had to grow up in the kind of family I grew up in, the kind of town I grew up in, the kind of home and neighborhood I grew up in. And where you grow up makes you who you are. It just does. And we, a lot of times we get so frustrated and irritated with people we don't want to give them time. That's not caring. You know, that's us being religious and, and just staying in our religious bubble and huddling together and enjoying eating together and partying together and laughing together and somebody's, at somebody's expense. But, but the Samaritan cared for him. The Samaritan did. In verse 34, it says the Samaritan, as he journeyed, this is in Luke 10, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. There's that word. And he, in the next day, uh, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I come back. Now, here's a person who has something to do. He's already on his way somewhere, and, and he, can't, he doesn't even have time to stay in the place and take care of the man. But he takes care of him. The first thing he does, uh, you know, according to that scripture. Oh, by the way, first of all, the Samaritan uh, and the Jew who he's helping, are arched enemies. The, the Samaritans uh, were excommunicated by the Jews. 
It was synonymous. That word was synonymous to, to a devil or a heretic. That when they said Samaritan, everybody went, all the Jews did. I mean, they had nothing to do with one another. And here's a Samaritan who's been hissed on by all the Jews, and he sees this guy, and he has compassion on him, and he pulls him up. And then the first thing he does, he pours oil in wine. He takes care of the immediate need right now. The guy's in his wounds, and he, he gives him wine to heal the wounds, and he gives him oil uh, to, to soothe him, or just the opposite, oil to heal the wounds and wine to soothe him. Takes care of his immediate needs. Uh, and it wasn't based on what he deserved. It was based on what happened to him. It was based on his background in the history, the recent history of his life. But he has compassion on him, heals up his wounds, binds up those wounds, takes care of his immediate needs, and then he brings them to an end. And he uses his own resources. Y'all with me still? He takes his own resources and gives them because he doesn't, he has to go on and continue to do life. But he says, look, I'm going to leave some money. And if, he, if I owe you anything else when I get back, I'll, I'll pay you. Well, if he owes you anything, I'll pay it. All right, that's carry. So when we talk about caring for God's church, let that sink in, everybody. Okay, we're not even talking about caring for somebody who despises us. We're talking about caring for people who are united with us, people who want to do life with us, people who are jumping in on the bandwagon with us and saying, yeah, I feel called to be a part of y'all to whatever degree they are. And they're in, in with us, in our life groups, in our body, and we're still not taking care of them. Man, that's convicted me this week. I hope I'm not the only one that takes that plumb line, lets it drop in my life, and starts uh, by the power of God, God's Holy Spirit in me, applying that to my life. All right. So caring for the church of God is like caring for a family. This analogy, the similarities between what should be expected by an elder in his home is what would be a picture of how he would care for the church. So evaluate yourself based on some of these characteristics. First of all, relationships are the focus in the family for a, fa- for a father. A father should be focused on the relationships that he has with his family and his kids. Yesterday, Talith and I were sitting on the porch uh, taking a rest from a, doing a bunch of work around the house and uh, heard my neighbor across the street uh, who, by the way, at this point is not a believer. He understands the gospel, but he's chosen not uh, to receive Christ at this point. Uh, so not even a believer. Cross the street, and I just hear him playing with his kids. And, and they're laughing out loud, and they're screaming at each other, and they're playing in the backyard. And, and I told Talith, I said, man, he's a good father. And he is. He's so, he works hard all the time. But, man, when he's at home, he's all about those kids. Uh, that's, that's the picture. It, it, the, the focus is on the family. I, I don't, I, and not just not just my kids, but also on my wife and on on her parents. There's a good challenge for everybody. Everyone ready for that plumb line? Here it comes. Whoop! In laws, what can you do to minister to your in laws? What can you do to care for your in laws? Uh, it it means that relationships are the focus. Our activities are not the focus. What my kids do and what they spend their time with is good, but that's not the focus. The focus is my relationship with my family. Some of you are going to have some challenges when, you're, when your kids, and all of you are pretty much have kids that are still in arms, but when, you grow, when those kids grow up and they start becoming teenagers or they leave the house, you're going to have some challenges 
uh, and loving them the way that they are. When they start having a mind of their own and the freedom to live that mind out, you're going to have a hard time. And some, some of you may have to, have to come to the place where you say, am I going to stick to my guns and hold the rules that I gave all my life? Or am I just going to, is the focus going to be the relationship? Am I going to keep the relationship that I have with my son or with my daughter? Or am I going to keep on being the, the preacher? I have, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I have to come to that. You're going to have to come to that at some point. And there is. There's, there's a lot of things that take our focus. We want them to turn out a certain way. So it's performance becomes the focus instead of us just loving them where they are, us expressing love to them, us accepting them. And, and, and so you take the challenge wherever it hits you, but it is a relationship with your children and with your spouse and with your in-laws and outlaws. Is that the focus? It is for a godly father. So let's make application to the church. Are the relationships the focus? Man, I'm, we are, y'all, y'all realize how blessed we are that God's allowed us to do church the way we do it. That we can spend time focusing on people, individuals within the body. And that we're going to keep our church small and send some of you guys out rather than growing this place up and build it bigger because we can stay focused on individuals. We can love each other. We can spend time with each other. We can focus on people. We don't have to focus on how's our church doing financially, what's all our programs doing now, and how are we, you know, where do you, we don't focus on any of that. How, you know, how much money we're making to be able to pay for these buildings, and all we got to focus on is people. Don't get distracted. We got programs, and sometimes they take us off focus because we're not doing them well enough, or I get distracted or whatever, you know, because whatever doesn't happen the way I want it to happen. Man, it's not about that. It's about people. Everybody feeling what I'm feeling? All right, so our focus, uh, the focus of a father is on people, relationships. Second thing, see the role of, uh, as one speaking and living these characteristics before family. The role of a father is one who speaks and lives consistently according to uh, those characteristics that we've been talking about. All right, the word actually, the, the Greek word has in, within it this context or this idea. The old word is to place before or to stand before. So the, the idea of a father who's standing before his, uh, or who's being an example and, and being the, what he needs to be to his family means he's standing before his family. He's not only saying this is the way you guys need to live. He's saying this is the way you guys need to live. All right, it's, he's standing before them. He is the example. Yeah, and here's a problem. Now, uh, uh, let me move it to elders because elders are fathers too. Here's a problem for most pastors, and you guys know it. Who are the worst kids? Who? My kids, right? <laughs> Don't mess with Talitha. You can talk about them to me, but watch out. Now, the pastor's kids are known. We're notorious. Pastor's kids are notoriously known for being the worst kids, right? You know why? I think is because a pastor says one thing from the pulpit and he lives another thing at home. And there's a lot of pressure on us to do that, to defend us, right, Bill? When we're we're serving churches that are saying all the time, you better do this, you better preach this, you better whatever, Man, that's a lot of pressure. At the gathering place, there's none of that. 
so I get to be myself. I can be me, and what I say from here, I can live at home, and, and I can just be who I am. And so my kids get to see me being me, and all of you do too. You're going to find me being the same person wherever you find me. What a blessing for me to be able to do that and not have any pressure from the church to be something I'm not. But here's, here's, the, here's the problem for a lot of us is we don't live what we preach. And that's all of us. We all have that problem. If you think you're going to tell your kids to do one thing and you're going to do another one, forget it. That's not going to take. That's not being a good father. It's not being a good parent. And it's not being a good elder either. If I'm going to be a leader of this body and if you feel like you aspire to be a leader of this body, God's putting it in your heart, then you need to measure yourself by that. Am I really living what I'm speaking? Am I living a life and an example before my kids? A third thing, overseeing the family and church and correcting problems that are leading to the wrong direction. As I thought about family, what else is involved in that? I think part of it is I need to be watching to see what's going on in the lives of the members of my family. How's my wife doing? How are my kids doing? How's my mom and dad doing? How's her mom and dad doing? Uh, you know, I need to be watching this. How, how are the grandkids doing? I need to watch and protect that. As a father, I'm protect, I take the role of protecting that from my family. Nobody's going to come and speak into my family without me speaking truth into that. If someone comes in and tries to lead my kids a different direction, then I'm going to speak truth into their lives, and I'm going to give it to them in a way that I hope they'll receive it. Whatever that means. So you know, whatever it takes, I want to make sure my kids understand that what truth is, right? I'm going to protect them from that. And we need to be that. We need to make sure that our kids and our, and our wives, if our wives are, are, uh, are having issues and don't understand what, what's going on in life and, and they're, they're fearful or whatever else, we need to bring truth into that. It's our job as fathers to bring truth into the lives of our, of our family. And that's so true for elders. We've already talked about it. God gave us that in the first part of 1 Timothy, that one of our jobs is to protect the church. When we talked about hospitality, remember that? One of the jobs of, 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 regarding hospitality is the first thing is to, to check, check people out. Don't just let people come into the body who, who don't believe the way we believe and have influence. We need to protect the church, right? We need to make sure that they're speaking truth, that people believe the truth, uh, and be careful to watch that, not just let it, let, it, uh, let it happen. And again, so many of us are so busy in our families that we don't have time to watch what's going on in the lives. And Dialogue with our kids and dialogue with our spouses and our in-laws and outlaws, parents or whatever, uh, to, to make sure that they're okay. We're not talking through life. We need to be sure it's about relationships and that we are protecting them, all right, or correcting problems that are leading in the wrong direction. Okay, I kind of went off on, on number four there, uh, but they, they're tied together. Number four was protecting the family from outside influences, okay, making sure that we understand uh, that, that there are things outside in this culture, there are things that are going on in the world around us that affect us, and making sure that we protect the church from that. Uh, one good example of that is uh, I went to, a, to the, this last November, uh, we went to the Right Now Conference, and one of the small groups that I sat in uh, was called, it was called know, Knowing Your Church's DNA. And I thought it was a fascinating topic, and it was, and there's a lot of stuff that I want to apply. I haven't yet that I want, I want us to have our own DNA and kind of draw it out so we all know what we're about. Uh, 
but anyway, one of the things that they had, this church had in their DNA was we boycott boycotts. <laughs> I like that. I think that's in our DNA. We boycott boycotts. But we're not about just getting out in public and raising our voice against stuff. There's, there are better ways to handle people and to handle the community than that. The better ways are what we're talking about here, being investing in people's lives, you know, loving people and in, in speaking into their lives, earning the right to be heard and speaking into their lives and solving the problems with real-life practical solutions. So many times when people are boycotting, they're not doing anything about to provide a solution to the problem. All right, so that's one of the ways that, that I believe the elders are protecting this body is we're not participating in a bunch of boycotts, right? It's not because it's not going on. And again, people, I, I, you know, churches do whatever they feel led to do, whatever the Lord, Lord leads them to do. But for us, we're reaching, we're trying to reach a part of this community that despises boycotts from the Christian community, okay? And so we need to become, in that way, become all things to all people that we might win some. Does it mean that we're not against the same things that other Christian brothers are against who boycott? No. It just means we are for people. And we want to see people come to know the Lord. We want to see them come to a relationship, into a relationship with Christ and grow in that. All right, number five, protecting the family from one another. <laughs> you know, like it or not, there are people within the body. I mean, you, you make it in the body. We're very careful about making sure you understand what our distinctives are. That the biblical basis for everything we do, we do that in new member training, six weeks of us hanging out together and talking about and a- answering questions. <coughs> but still, there are times when you move outside of those distinctives and we need to protect each other, protect you from each other at times. And those of you who are causing ruckus, you know who you are. So straighten up. All right, number six, giving family the highest priority in our lives. I believe this is this is one area where where I, I'm, I'm going to say with confidence. Everybody with me say, oh, yeah, wake up, get your spirit up for this one. This is for all of us. This family does not have a priority in your life. It's not. It, this is not your priority. This is so way down the list in your priorities as a church, our priorities as a church. It is not your priority. And it's obvious in, in the fruit that's being born in your life or not being born. Okay? You okay with that? I hope not. I hope you'll let this fall into your life. Look, you, you, if you don't pay attention and take care of your family, and your family's not the highest priority under God, your relationship with God is number one, okay? But then your relationship to your family is number two, okay? And this church family is like that. I mean, this church family needs to be below your family, but it needs to be high on your list of priorities. I mean, like I eat, I talk to God, Take care of my family, church, you know, somewhere in there. And so you answer the question, where does this line up with you? It's not by accident that Paul is telling Timothy, you, you need to help these people understand what it looks like to behave in the house of God, to behave in the church and the household of faith with believers. This is what it looks like. They're a priority. It's like family. And look, you don't think that we, that we uh, even the best of us as fathers, you think that we're doing well when we make our family a priority? The Jewish fathers were way more interested and involved in their kids' lives. And their lives were all about their family. The, the, the Jews were all about taking care of family. And so, man, we need to make sure that our family is, a, is given a highest priority in our lives. And the church family also has a high priority 
All right, and then number seven, training family to do life in the pattern of the family. It's so interesting to me how how many students at LC and uh, will you know that I, that I deal with on a regular basis will they'll start off in one major and then they'll come back and do another major that coincides with the occupation of their dad or their mom. Now it's not always that way. It wasn't that way for me. Well, I kind of guess it kind of was. I ended up in education, but you know how many times that that they they will come back around to their family's occupation. That's just one example. You know, but if you have a good family and you're, you're helping them to understand how to do life, part of what they do is they understand how to do family because of what you did. You know, where are they going to learn how to do family? Uh, they're going to learn from mom and dad. And sometimes it's very dysfunctional and needs to be corrected. Sometimes it's a really good example. But whatever it is, they're gonna, they are responding to familial influences. Everybody get that? Okay, it is so true about the church. We need to realize that how we do family with one another is going to teach the new people that come into our body how to do family with one another. And we have had some bad patterns in the gathering place since we started, uh, eight or whatever, nine years ago. We've had some bad patterns that, that unfortunately are being perpetuated in the context of this church. Uh, so we need to measure up. And realize that we need, to, we need to do what God's called us to do. We need to meet his expectations and the biblical things that he's laid into this church. The things that he's spoken for us to do. We need to do those. Because that's teaching people to do family with us. Alright, so things like, I'll say it again. Let me just mention three. Doing work, doing church on Sunday and doing it well. Being all about people, all the things we've talked about. Doing life group and blessing people. Find people that you're spending time praying for, beginning with prayer, listening to them, eating with them, serving them, and then sharing the gospel. Okay? That's it. That's how we do family. Uh, You know, abiding in Christ. That's how we do family here. That terminology, if you're a member of this church, you've been through new member training, you should know that abiding cycle like the back of your head. And not just in theory, you should have been practicing that on a regular basis. It's how we do family. These are distinctives of this body that God's called us to, to implement here. So I think you guys are getting this, all right? Now, I would encourage you to go back. Hopefully, all these sermons are going to be online this week. You need to go back and listen to some of these messages again. This is one of them. Get these things. Write them down. Put them in your heart. Let God move that into your heart. Now, Paul, in the writing of this letter, in a way, uh, was ruling over the church at Ephesus. The things that he said about, you know, he says, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things so that if I delay, you may know how you ought to behave in the household of God. Paul was being an elder. He was being an elder. He was being, taking care of the household of God. He was managing the household of God and influencing others uh, and causing them to, uh, to, to change their actions. He was giving them, recommending a course of action that they could change. Paul was being that. So he's being a great example to us. In this passage. All right, we're going to stop there today. I think that's enough for us to hold on to. So let's pray for a minute. And I I want to help us for just a second to, to take this word and find out where our hearts are in relation to it. So I'm going to mention some of the things we talked about and give you a time to think and pray.
And if you'll close your eyes and kind of focus on yourself, see where you stand in this. And then hopefully you'll come out of this prayer time and this worship time as we close with a different uh, direction for your life. That's the goal. All right, so let's pray. As you pray, think about this. Are you caring for the church of God? Are you caring for this household? Is your connection with this body for you as it for everybody else? Are you using your resources to take care of the body? Taking care of the immediate needs and then long-term keeping others in focus? Are relationships the focus for you here? You see your role as living and speaking consistently the characteristics we've been talking about for the sake of the people here. You've been keeping watch on the body and as you as God convicts you, you've been helping to correct problems that are leading in a wrong direction. Are you bringing outside influences into this body or are you protecting this family from outside influences? Are you doing your role to protect members of the body from each other? (laughs) That may happen in the context of life group. What kind of priority does this church family have in your life? Listen, I know when I say that, just as you're thinking, I know when I say that, the enemy will say, in, whisper into your ear, ah, you're doing fine, he's crazy. Yeah, I believe this is a word from the Lord. We are not giving this church, the family, the priority that it needs. So you ask God and take the time to listen. Be willing to adjust as he leads. And then finally, do you, do you know what we're about? And are you teaching other people in the body? Are you helping them to understand, really, the distinctives of our church? Do you understand that? And are you, are you a, a, a family member who's teaching other people to do life in the pattern of this family? Father, help us today. Help us as members to apply what we've heard. God, I know that you've convicted me this week of a number of things, and my intent, my intent is to, is that this this word will be will find fertile soil in my life, God. And I'm, I'm still breaking up places, and by your Holy Spirit, we're getting that part done, so that the seed can fall into a heart that's intent is to obey. And Father, there's there's a lot of stuff here for me as an elder. I want to be the kind of father that you want me to be. 
God, it's a great practice for me. I want to be the kind of husband that you want me to be. It's great practice for me to learn how to take care of this body. God, I want to be a good son-in-law and a good son. Lord, I want to handle family relationships that are difficult because there's people in the body sometimes that are difficult. And I need to know how to love and to give and to serve. Help us to manage this household well. We praise you, God, for what you're going to do. And we worship you today for being a God who gives us direction and helps us understand how to make application. And so as we worship, God, let our, let our worship be true today and let our hearts cry out to you that, uh, with an intent toward change. In Jesus' name.